Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. Good morning, friends. Uh, We're going to do something a little different today. We're going to be exploring lament, um, and we're going to kind of do it in two different phases here. We're going to do it communally, uh, and we're going to do it personally. So we're going to do just a little bit of a different structure. We're going to read some scripture. We're going to pray. We're going to sing. We're going to do some activities together, um, and they're kind of just designed to draw us in, to allow us to express ourselves, um, to connect with God, and to give us some perspective. Um, So just invite you, join us, um, let's dive in. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it, and it took root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. Its branches reached as far as the sea, its shoots as far as the river. Why have you broken down its walls so that all who pass by pick its grapes? Boars from the forest ravage it, and insects from the field feed on it. Return to us, God Almighty. Look down from heaven and see. Watch over this vine. The root of your right hand has planted, the branch you have raised up for yourself. Your vine is cut down. It is burned with fire. At your rebuke, your people perish. Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us, and we will call on your name. Restore us, O Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine on us, that we may be saved. Since the beginning of Exodus, we have seen that God's people were crying out the Israelites, because they've suffered in slavery, and at every turn it seems to get more harsh, which they probably could not have imagined. In Exodus 2, right from our beginning of our study, it says the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. We have been reading through Exodus from 1 through chapter 5 so far, and we've kind of sat in Moses' perspective for a while. We've considered the heaviness that he carried as a representative of Yahweh, as a person who was supposed to lead others. But today we want to come back to the Israelites because they have been suffering And we want to sit in their perspective for a while. And perhaps that one is a very easier perspective for us to understand because they're they're carrying pain, and we all carry pain. For decades, they've been forced to work at the whim of leaders who despise them. Their children have been killed, and they have been pushed to the brink in hopes that they themselves would die. That is what they've been experiencing. God heard them, though. We read about this. From the very beginning, God heard their cry. Not only that, but did you notice 
God heard their groaning. Have you ever, have you just had no words and you just make a sound? Because that's how much it hurts. It's not very loud sometimes. And yet God was attentive. He heard even the quietest suffering. And even though the people probably wondered, why is this still happening? This has been going on, and yet we're still suffering. And they wonder, did God hear at all? And yes, yes, Yahweh did. But his timing is not the same as our timing And we have to trust that he never let up in his concern and had a plan with the right people in place at the right timing. It's so hard we don't see because we just keep crying out. And we've seen people in pain and watched groups and communities suffering. Last week, we read that Moses and Aaron finally got to take their first action and speak up on behalf of God to the Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he just made it worse. He just made the burden heavier. He told the people, well, now you have to have straw for your own bricks and make them, but you have to keep up the same amount of bricks that you've already been making. And then the people, whoa, they got angry because they're like, Moses, you, we were doing the work, and then you talked to Pharaoh, and now we're doing more work. Why? Why did you just do this to us? And so then Moses turned and complained to God. So let's read God's response in Exodus 6. Now, we've noted that when we see the word LORD, all caps, we've, we've learned about this name of God that he expressed and taught to Moses, Yahweh. It means I am. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put some translations in as we read the word Lord here. Exodus 6. God said to Moses, I am who I am. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name Yahweh, I did not make myself fully known to them. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the one who will be, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, and I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am who I am. Each week we've said that God's words here in Exodus reveal something about this one that we worship. And here, Yahweh reveals himself as the God who is concerned. The words that he speaks to Moses is a reassurance to the people. Tell them, I have heard the groaning. 
I have heard you in your quiet moments. I have heard you scream out loud in anger and pain. I have heard and I have remembered that I promised to free you. I will free you. I will redeem you. I will be your God. You will be my people. Yahweh cares and is committed and is concerned and keeps repeating that promise. And one of the most beautiful verses that I've read in our studies so far actually happened back in chapter 4. When the people first heard from Moses, they, this is how they responded. When the people heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. It's like freedom didn't happen yet, but once they knew that they were seen and heard and that God actually cared, they could worship. And sometimes that's what we need to do is we need to just say it and we need to be honest about it, about things that are happening. And then we're trusting that Yahweh hears and we can be free to worship him. We don't know what the answer will be or when the timing will be, but we're, we're speaking out and trusting in that promise that, that Yahweh is the same today as he was yesterday and will be tomorrow and that he hears and is concerned. So we want to we wanna be honest, and we're going to do that in two different segments today, and the first one is communal. Because while God's people had personal pain, they were crying out as a community, saying, rescue us. We are all in pain together. We are crying out together. Everything in this description was a group form. And so we here are a group. We are a community of believers, and we have the opportunity to cry out together. And I want us to think outside of ourselves We'll deal with the personal here in a bit. But I want us to think about communities of people who are hurting in our world, in our country, in our state and city. Just kind of bring those circles inward and consider other hurt that we may never have experienced ourselves, but that's the kind of cry that we're, we're crying out on behalf of other people, other communities. We may lament for our neighbors in East Palestine, Ohio, who is dealing with a, a train accident and, and awful things in their, toxic things in their community. We may lament Michigan State or every time we hear of a shooting at a school or lament all the teachers who have to lead active shooter drills at the school. We may lament acts of hatred perpetuated against people we love. I lament when my black friends say they won't go to certain areas because they feel afraid. I lament when my neighbor shares a story on Instagram and says, this is a hate crime against Asian people. Why won't people call it that? And I lament. So we want to carry the lament for others. That's part of our calling is to bring to God our tears on behalf of other people. And we talked like 
We talked last week that Moses dealt with stuff that was like out of his control and under his control. And there's another part of our lament. And that's the communities we're a part of who have been the perpetrators. Those are harder communities to pray for and lament, but it's something that we ache with. We may lament the way our country, many of our ancestors, have treated indigenous people. I have a friend who spoke of his Apache friends in Arizona who live on land with no running water. We may lament that our friends in the LGBT community turn away from faith because people who speak Jesus' name have been awful to them. We may lament friends who are immigrants because citizens, American citizens like us, have treated them second class or suspicious of why they're here. We carry lament because of things done to others and things that mm, we might look around and have been active in that in some way in our past. So I want us to take some time There's so many communities out there that could be on your heart. But what is God placing right now on your mind? Who is the Spirit burdening your heart for? And I pray that you would lament for them in this time. We're going to have some time, and Dylan's going to come back up here and play some music. And you can just, you can read through the scriptures on the sheet that we just read. You can scribble on it angrily. You can sit, stand, kneel, wander, whatever. We want to take some time and we're just going to, we're going to cry out to God for some communities, as a community. And I do have one activity that I invite you to. When you have spent some time in prayer, I want you to come up and there is a brick up in front of the church here. And there's some bottles and droppers. And the brick is representing, you know, God's people making bricks, the burdens that we still see communities carrying today. And I just want you to take a little water and drop it on there. Like you're adding your tears of lament as a community for people together. We're all going to do it together. So just take some time now. We have one more reading. Uh, Susan, if you would come and read for us um, from Isaiah. And then Dylan will bring on up. And then once this activity is over, when we have been able to express our lament, then Dylan's going to lead us in a song of worship. So we're going to thank God for hearing our cry. Isaiah 64. Since ancient times, no one has heard and no ear has perceived. No eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like the one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and given us over to our sins. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are the work of your hand 
Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness, for your promises. Thank you that you hear us when we cry out. This is Job 30, 15 through 26. Terrors overwhelm me. My dignity is driven away by the wind. My safety vanishes like a cloud. And now my life ebbs away. Days of suffering grip me. Night pierces my bones. My gnawing pains never rest. In his great power, God becomes like clothing to me. He binds me like the neck of my garment. He throws me into the mud, and I am reduced to dust and ashes. I cry out to you, God, but you do not answer. I stand up, but you merely look at me. You turn on me ruthlessly. With the might of your hand, you attack me. You snatch me up and drive me before the wind. You toss me about in the storm. I know you will bring me down to death, to the place appointed for all the living. Surely no one lays a hand on a broken man when he cries for help in his distress. Have I not wept for those in trouble? Has not my soul grieved for the poor? Yet when I hoped for good, evil came. When I looked for light, then came darkness. Example after example, we see people expressing honest words to God, and that gives us a template or a, not a template, but like a hope or a, an opening that we can express honestly ourselves. And so now we get to our personal lament. And so we're going to look at Jesus because Jesus was God on earth living out those same characteristics we've been learning about Yahweh in Exodus. And Jesus came to complete the rescue that God began in Egypt. Jesus' mission was to live perfectly, to die on a cross and raise from the dead again in order to defeat sin, defeat death, bring us rescue from our own guilt. And despite this being a long, the long-term mission, we see in Jesus' life step by step that he also was concerned about people. He noticed the everyday needs along the way. One example of this was from Luke 7. It says, Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the town was with her, and when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. He went up and touched the funeral bier they were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. Jesus said, young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Jesus observed pain. Notice that this woman never spoke a word. She didn't go ask Jesus for help. She didn't approach him, even though he would have received that. But he saw what she didn't even speak to him about. And she cared Jesus cared about her. And so I love that Jesus is providing rescue even for the things that we haven't figured out words to say. But Jesus knows our heart. He knows the pain that we carry. And Jesus, each week we have looked at the way, how does Jesus relate to this story in Exodus, these people crying out? 
And when Jesus was on earth, he revealed himself as the God who weeps with us. And likely you have read the words in John chapter 11 that simply said, Jesus wept. That's it. It's the whole verse. And that was a moment where Jesus was himself invited to a funeral of his friend. And we might know that this friend Lazarus, Jesus was going to raise him from the dead. He was going to bring joy. He was going to show God's power. And he was just about to do that. But he didn't just go in joyful. He looked at his friends and he thought of the pain his own friend must have suffered in dying. And he wept. He cried. Like weeping is, it's not just like a a trickle of a tear. Weeping, you feel that. You feel the emotion there, the full-on tears. All of everything that comes out to weep over something. Mary and Martha had been, they had just gone up in his face like, why weren't you here? Like They expressed that anger, the same tone that we felt in Job there. They were allowed to express that in their pain. And Jesus took that in and he still wept with them. And so we have Jesus' promise. He promises to be with us. He promises that we can bring our needs and our grief and our pain to him. Because in John 16, he told his disciples, and this promise is for us as well, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name, but ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Jesus wants to hear. He wants to hear from us. And we can be reassured that he helps us cry over the things that are broken and gives us hope that that our prayers are heard and that there is a fullness to this rescue and redemption. There's a lot of pain I know we have right now. I know in this room we have questions about our future uncertainty of stability and and employment or finances, confusion, hurt with people who aren't with us anymore, whether they have died or whether they have just broken our relationship. And it hurts. And we also have memories of our own sin against others, the, the relationships we've broken the trust we've mishandled. And so in the same way that we brought our communal grief for communities that are hurting, we bring our personal lament to the Lord for all the things that are broken that we had no say over and it hurts or all the things that we have been the one who broke. And Jesus allows us to speak it out loud And so we're going to just take some time and consider a burden that we're carrying, a lament, a hurt that's on our hearts right now. And maybe, maybe it hurts to watch somebody else go through pain or disease or confusion or addiction, and there's nothing that we feel like we can tangibly do, but we can give them over to God as well.
you have a piece of paper. I told you there were some special little slips of paper. And when you're ready, write something on there or draw a symbol of something that you're lamenting. Maybe it's just your name representing what's going on. You don't have to write anything um, revealing, just something that symbolizes to you a hurt you're carrying. And you can use the pens I passed out too. But we're going to bring them up. We're going to have a little, again, a time of silence. You're going to pray. There's actually bowls of water on each side at the communion station, and this paper dissolves. We tested it out. It's very magical. So just kind of like watch the words lift off into the water. And there's a little knife there. You can like stir it in, and you can watch it just kind of absorb. And just it's kind of meditative to do this, but just to to release your pain into like Jesus' tears weeping with us. Just kind of let, try to give that over. We don't have to hold on to it alone. And then while you're there, take communion back with you. The bread and the juice that we eat and we drink every week to remember that Jesus came in order to heal our brokenness, in order to redeem our guilt and shame. So Dylan's going to read a scripture for us, and then when you're ready, you can come participate in these activities. Thanks for leaning in today. And we just want to also say that if something's weighing on you, you know, we're available anytime to, to pray with you, to carry that with you. So don't carry your burden alone. Vindicate me, my God, and plead my cause against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to a place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.